Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing wonderful. I'm your host, Dr. Daph, and you're listening to a Feminine Impression Podcast. And today we are wrapping up our series on the Esther Anointing by Michelle McLean Walters. And it talks about the life of Queen Esther in the Bible, going from an orphan girl to the Queen of Persia. And in this final chapter, we are discussing the theme, you were designed for influence. And we are going to talk about how you as a woman were created by God before the beginning of mankind to come into this world and make a difference, to come into this world and dominate and take over whatever your sphere of influence is. I'm very excited to go over this chapter with you because it's one of my favorites. And I want you to go ahead and sit back, relax, grab something to drink, get something to write with, and let's talk about this. Hello, ladies. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Our final session of the Esther anointing book. We're finally at the end of the book and I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy you've been with me all of these sessions. It's been great. And I want to talk about the fact that each and every one of you were born with your future inside of you. Okay. This chapter is called Designed for Influence. When God created you, before he even started the earth, he already had you in him. You were in God. And he had an entire life planned out for you. You had a problem that you were born to fix. You had something that he designed you for. Everything about your life is embedded in this. The way that you look, the way that you speak, who your parents are, the things that have happened to you. Everything has been designed for God's glory. And he was aware that these things were going to happen. All of these things he knew he was going to be able to use for his good. And I want you to be able to know that you don't have to be like other people. You don't have to follow what your friends do, what your parents did, what your brothers and sisters do, what people on social media do. You are unique and God has a unique plan for your life. And this chapter talks about breaking into that. The only way you can discover why God created you is by having a relationship with him, is by having a relationship with the creator so you can understand his mind and understand where he's taking you. You can't really ever know yourself until you know God, until you know your creator. And I'm going to go ahead and read from the book because she has so much great information in this chapter. And she starts off with a psalm from the Bible, Psalm 139, where it says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And that just kind of goes back to what I just said. You were in God before the beginning of mankind, and before you were even formed, he had a destiny planned out for you. 
And that's why when we talk about things like abortion, it is so devastating because before a baby is even formed, God has a destiny for that child. And it's not about what you see or what you think. It's about what God had planned, even if it wasn't what you think should have been. You are not God. So she says, there is a prophetic book over your life. Everybody has a book in the heavens in which God has already written, designed and fashioned for days. We have to take a look at the blueprint of our lives and get a fresh vision for the ultimate design and not get caught up in the mundane tasks of the day. Okay, you were not born to just pay bills and die. Your days were fashioned for you when there were yet none of them. But you know how there's an insert button on the computer where you insert things? The devil is trying to insert his days in your book. The Lord says that you need to get that delete button and begin to delete the enemy's works from your life by the word of God. Poverty, sickness, and torment from the enemy are not in your book. Those things are under the curse. They are not part of the life that God designed for you. Jesus died so you may have a life and have life more abundantly. It's important to remember, this is something God put on my heart in the mornings when I do my devotions on Instagram, I call it mornings with the king. And I love that time because that's when I feel God is really pouring into me and giving me revelation on things. And one thing that really meant a lot to me when I figured it out was that God chose us before we chose him. So you may think that you just so happen to have this like tugging in your heart for Christ, or you were saved and you just so happen to have been able to know Jesus. And the truth is he already knew the people who were gonna choose him. You are already chosen in his book. He's just waiting for you to go ahead and make that decision and start and follow him. So if you have that pulling in your heart where you're just like, something just tells me like, I know I should give my life to God. I know I should give my life to Christ. You might even be another religion. And I've had people ask me and say, like, I am in another religion, but my heart is being pulled towards Christ. You need to follow that pulling because God already chose you. You already chose him. And the longer you wait and you think about it and you go through that torment, it is going to be painful, okay? Because your soul will never be happy knowing that you're not really living the life you're supposed to live, that there's so much more for you that you're missing out on. And so it's important to remember that you were already chosen if you end up choosing Christ. If you end up becoming born again, then you were already chosen. And now you just need to go ahead and follow through with that. So never despise it. When God created you, he created an itinerary for your life. You know what an itinerary is, right? Like when you go on vacation or you go somewhere, they have every day you're going to wake up, have breakfast, go to the beach, do a tour. It's like a whole schedule for all the things that are going to be happening for you. And God has one of those for your life as well. He created an itinerary that has all the things that are going to happen in your life, all the things that you're going to be blessed with, all of the places he wants you to go, the people he wants you to meet. But you can't get your itinerary until you go to him. So a lot of us are just wanderers. We're wandering and we're depressed 
and we have anxiety and we're giving our life over to anyone and anything because we don't have any place where we feel like we belong because we haven't gotten our itineraries yet. So you have to seek him so he can hand it to you and you can finally say, no wonder this is what I was supposed to be doing. And it's true that this is why people, you know, they do struggle with things like depression because they know that their life is supposed to be more. They know that it can't just be the same thing every single day, that there has to be something greater that they're called to. No one is better than you. Just because someone is famous or popular doesn't mean that they're any better than you. It could be their calling. It could just be how God designed them and what he made them for. But there's no ranking here on earth that shows what God's plan was. So someone could be a celebrity here on earth. It doesn't mean that they're a celebrity in God's eyes. It doesn't mean that they're a celebrity in heaven. They may not even go to heaven, but they're a celebrity here on this earth. It means absolutely nothing to God. We are the ones that make a big deal about that kind of stuff because we think other people have things that we don't have. And yes, some people are gifted and talented, and that's why we admire them. But the truth is, there are so many more people who are gifted and talented that are not famous. It's just that they don't have the opportunity. They don't have the work ethic. They weren't picked for whatever reason. That wasn't their path. Maybe they're not supposed to be recording albums for this particular record label. They're supposed to be singing to children in the hospital. Doesn't mean that they're any less just because they're not popular here on earth. And that's important because we tend to put other people above ourselves not realizing that God gave everyone something very unique and special. And to him, it's all the same. We're the ones that try to make it different. And the only time it really is different are the people who truly seek whatever that is within them and find it and give God the glory for it and work exactly in that itinerary that God created. They're the ones that God smiles on and says, well done good and faithful servant. Well done. Now you did it right. So just remember that we tend to sometimes use these gaps in our lives. We fill it with things like thinking, okay, maybe if we just got a new car, we'll be happy. Maybe if we just got a new wardrobe and just changed all of our clothes, or we got married, or we had a baby, or we got to travel to Italy, that would make us happy. That would make us important that would make our lives a life worth living right and it's not true because you'll find you do every single one of those things and you'll be in the same position the people with the most money the people with these great lives that you think that they have feel the same way as you when they get home their house is just nicer their car is just nicer they have more people to pay but really in terms of how they feel that same feeling on the inside that they get when they get up from bed is the same as you. And it's important that you don't place those things in a place of priority because they don't mean anything. You will continue to want more clothes, a new car, a new house, go to a new place. You're gonna always want something to be different because that's how we are. You're not gonna be satisfied until you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Then you will never be able to get enough of it. And then, of course, some of us fill it up with other things like drugs and alcohol and sex and doing a bunch of you know things we shouldn't be doing. 
in that same way where it's like we're searching for this thing and so we feel like we need to do something that's going to give us that thrill that exhilaration that rush and we end up getting ourselves into a lot of problems but it's just, it's coming from the same place you're looking for something and you won't find it until you find god I want you to think about your own life. Have you ever specifically asked God on your own, why did you create me? Have you ever had that conversation with God? I do have a video that I talk about your purpose and I talk about kind of like what happens when you don't operate in that. And I'll leave it in the info box after this video so that you can watch it. But it just talks about your gift and finding why God created you. But if you haven't, this is a question you do want to ask God. Why did you create me? What am I here for? What do you want me to do? And he will tell you if you keep asking, if you feel like you haven't heard the answer, just keep on knocking, keep on asking and truly want to know. Start thinking about your life. Start thinking about the things you've gone through. Start thinking about the things people say about you that you're great at. Start thinking and God will start bringing more things to your memory and he'll start speaking to you if you're listening. I'm gonna read out of the book on page 120. We are not in this world, in this time and season by chance. Every detour and situation in our lives have converged into this very moment. We have come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. We were put here to prosper. We were put here to display the glory of his kingdom in the earth. We were put here to bring deliverance and healing to our families, our friends, and even strangers that we come in contact with. God formed and fashioned your days. He designed you to influence people and systems for his glory. Sure, our stories aren't always pretty. We've explored Esther's past, an orphan, a woman, a second-class citizen, but know this. Just because trials and tragedies, violation and shame may have come into your life, it does not mean God has forgotten the plans he has for you. Don't be moved by what you see happening in the natural. God is aligning things by his spirit so that you will have favor, boldness and courage to carry out all that he commissioned you to do. Look to God to reveal the pages of your book. He is the ultimate designer of your life, not man. I thought that was very powerful. And it's important to remember that we as a culture tend to really gravitate towards designers, right? I mean, when you think about people who care about the bag they carry, the shoes they're wearing, the clothes they're wearing, they buy things because of who designed it. And most of the time, most of the time, people are buying it because they want to have the status attached to that designer. So if you buy a Chanel bag, it could be a beautiful black and white bag that you could have got from Target, but because it says Chanel on it, that Chanel ups your status. Now when you wear it, you're wearing the designer's integrity, you're wearing what the designer represents, you're putting that on yourself. and trying to give yourself a status in people's eyes because that same black and white bag at target could be just as nice now of course the quality could be different and that's why some people i wouldn't say the majority i would say some people 
purchase designers because they truly do prefer the quality of it. And they're willing to spend the extra dollars because they want something of very high quality. They want designer clothes, designer shoes, because they believe that because this integrity behind the brand is there, that it's going to be a good product. Because again, it's not always a good product just because it's a high designer brand. But that to me, when I think about that, resembles you. You know, your designer, the person who designed the creator that designed you is God, the ultimate creator. So you are a designer item made by God himself. To me, everyone, every single person is absolutely fantastic, absolutely beautiful, absolutely perfect, flawless, because you were designed by God. If they were selling a purse today that was designed by God, it would be worth billions of dollars, right? If someone could prove this purse was designed by God, right? Because it's like, oh my gosh, it's God. <laughs> but God designed you. And you don't put that worth on yourself when you're wearing the label of God. And that to me is what's very sad is that people look at themselves as less than, as not as important, as not beautiful, not talented, not worthy, because maybe they don't fit the look of whatever country they live in and their standards. And it's just not true. It's just what we've done in this world to brainwash and to put people in categories and to uplift certain people, because that's how we are as humans. We're evil by nature, but that's not how God sees you. And I do want you to think about that. So in the book, the author describes four anointings for supernatural influences. She believes that if you have these four anointings on your life that she believes God is releasing on women right now, then you will be unstoppable. You will be designed for influence. You'll be able to go out in the world and make your mark and help your sisters and help your brothers and change the world. So she gives four different anointings of supernatural influence. The first one is an unshakable love for God that will cause us to love others. In this season, God is releasing to women an unshakable love poured out to us from his heart that will enable us to love all people. The Holy Spirit will teach us how to love God and how to love one another. Love is not humanistic. You can't love God any way you want. You must love him with all your mind, all your heart, and all your strength. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. You have the greatest level of influence on someone when they know that you love them. They will trust you to speak into their lives. They will trust you to pray for them. They will trust you with their lives. And to me, that is so plain and simple and true. The Lord says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. That is how you show you love me. So you can post on your Instagram all day that you love God. You can claim you love God all you want. But in his eyes, how he knows you love him is if you do what he's asked you to do. And for parents, human parents, right? If you have children and you ask them all the time to clean your room, pick this up, take this out, and they never, ever do it. And they have no other obligation and responsibility in the home except to do the very basic minor things you're asking them to do. 
you might tell them, you know, this is how you show your respect and love for me is by listening to me, is by doing the things I've asked you to do. If I tell you not to wear makeup to school, don't sneak and put makeup on on your way to school. That is showing me that you don't care about what I've said not to do. And it's the same thing with us. You can't claim to love God and just think that by saying it, it means something. It doesn't. You have to actually show it with your actions by keeping his commands and trying. Of course, no one is perfect, but actually fearing him and caring enough to do it. And it's 1 John chapter 4 and chapter 5. And it says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother, he has seen. Okay, for the person who does not love his brother, he's seen cannot love the God he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. And chapter five, it says, this is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Now his commands are not a burden because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So those are just some additional pointers in terms of what love means to God. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. It doesn't make sense. He's asked you to love your neighbor as yourself as the greatest commandment. And sadly, that is why so many of us can actually move forward because we don't love people. We don't like the next woman because maybe she looks a certain way. Maybe you're threatened by the way that she looks. You're threatened by the way that she acts. You're threatened by stereotypes. Maybe you don't love a homeless person on the streets because you feel like they're beneath you. I saw something, a post today that really bothered me where someone was saying something about not wanting to help women who are ratchet you know, level up or, or be in their feminine energy or be in their femininity because they're ratchet and they don't want to deal with that. And to me, in terms of looking at it through God's eyes, that is not love. Yeah, of course, you may not want to work with people who may be difficult to work with, but if you truly ever want real success in life, you will love everyone. If this person is ratchet to you and your business is about helping women to be better, then this is your perfect candidate. This is how you show me you can do your job, right? If you can turn a ratchet into a queen, <laughs> that tells me a lot more about you. But to say you won't help someone who is just so far gone, to me, doesn't show love at all. And God will not bless that. So it's important that if you ever want to be successful in whatever it is you're doing, that you actually love people, that you don't put people beneath yourself and put yourself above other people and it doesn't matter how beautiful you are it doesn't matter how educated you are you are not better than anyone else and all it takes is one <laughs> I, I say this all the time because some people will, will say like you know I'm surprised that you respond to me or I'm surprised you speak to me because you're this and you're that and I'm like that this is all a blessing this is by God's grace I am a human and all it takes is one accident my dear one accident for you to be ugly. The people that you're so disgusted by, 
it takes is one accident and you will look just like them. One, one text message from your husband, it's over. And now you're by yourself. So the people that you were putting yourself above, thinking that you're better than them because you're married, gone just like that. All it takes is one severe, unfortunate situation and you could be poor. You could be homeless. You could be hurt by someone. Anything can happen to you. It is by the grace of God that these things don't happen to you. So to put yourself above other people as a woman and think that because you're so beautiful, because you're so educated, because you are so rich, because you're so popular, that you're above people is the most dangerous place for you to be. Because the Lord will humble you if you do not love his children. And that is how you show God you love him especially those of you who claim to be Christian. And again, I'll always bring this up because it bothers me so much when I go on the Christian pages, when I go on these Instagram pages that claim to be Christian and they're cussing people out in the comments or they're saying nasty things, calling people stupid, calling people names in the comments who don't agree with them. To me, it is a clear example, a clear example of what God does not approve of and God is not there. He is not there. You might be using his name, but he is not there. That to me hinders more people than anything else is just feeling like you're superior and not loving every single person like they are your equal. And then she talks about supernatural wisdom to influence and disciple nations. That is the second anointing that she believes we should have as people. She first puts a scripture, which is Psalm 90, 12. She says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I believe I brought this up in one of the other lives where I said, if you are feeling like you're stuck and you want Christ to really come into your life and push you towards your purpose, ask the Lord to number your days. Get that fire under your butt. Let him give you that impression that you need to get going now. Tomorrow is not promised, my love. And I know it's like, it's just a saying that you just hear. But the thing is, we act like we have tomorrow. No one ever thinks that the very day that they're in already is the last day that they're going to be here. No one ever thinks that. Of course, you don't want to think in that morbid way, but that's the reality. Most people who die do not think that they're going to die in the morning when they wake up. And you don't know how long you have here. Don't waste your time. Don't waste God's time. Do something that's going to actually bring life into people and give you a life that will never die, even when you die, because of what you've done. And then she says in the book, the wisdom I'm speaking about here is not the gift of wisdom. So she's not talking about the supernatural wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives you as a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is releasing a supernatural anointing of wisdom, an abiding anointing of wisdom. God will give you supernatural wisdom for the person on your job who loves to come and tell you about their problems or that millionaire in your circle who doesn't know what to do about their schizophrenic child. You may not be the one who preaches messages publicly in the pulpit, but you can preach the best message to someone's life, healing and delivering them through the wisdom of God that flows through you. 
And I say this all the time, not everyone is meant to be a pastor. I know this is something that comes up so much, especially when I see like the Christian communities, is that as soon as a person gets born again or gets filled with the Holy Spirit, they want to be a pastor. And we have so many pastors, which we of course need, but everyone doesn't need to be a pastor. That same anointing that you get on your life to heal the sick and raise the dead and change the world is not limited to a pastor. You can do it too. As soon as you're in the kingdom of God and you are able to have signs and wonders follow you, you don't need a pastor to do any of that stuff. You are the one that carries that and you would be using your kingdom influence to do what a pastor couldn't even do, which is touch people who don't come to church. How many people actually go to church? <laughs> I mean, when I think about the churches that I visited or I go to, it's like mostly old people. It's mostly old people. When I say old, I mean like mostly women, first of all, because most of their husbands don't want to come to church with them or their husbands, maybe they don't have husbands, but most of the women are like 60 plus. There are very few young people. Young people are not in church. So if you have all of this anointing on your life, the best thing you can do is go out there and use whatever gifts you have, wherever you are already working or whatever you're doing, and influence that atmosphere with God's presence. And then they can go to church and the person that's meant to be a pastor can pastor them. But everyone does not need to be a pastor. That causes more problems than not because there's a certain anointing that a pastor needs to also have to be able to pastor a church. It's not just about preaching. It's important for you to remember that everyone has different things to do. And that same power that a pastor could have or an evangelist can have, God can give you supernatural gifts to where you could be talking to someone and he can give you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom that's supernatural where you pray about something or you tell them something that they know you could have never known which gives them the revelation that you really know God, where it's like, okay, there's no way that this person could have known this except for it coming from God. And that's how God tends to use you to help people to know that he loves them and he's, he's there for them, he's thinking about them. Maybe the very thing that they've been stressing about or praying about is the very thing that you speak on. And for you, it's, it's no big deal. You're just talking in your mind. You're just talking. But the Lord downloaded something into your spirit for you to say, and you didn't realize it. But that person now knows that God heard them and God loves them. And you can do so much more in your own sphere of influence without being a pastor. And she writes that this is the same wisdom that was with God when he created the earth. To the modern day Esthers, God will give inventions, cures, books, songs, solutions to problems, words of wisdom and knowledge that has a power to shake nations. Ask God for the supernatural wisdom. James 1, 5 and 6 says, If anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Why not you? And why not now? God tells you, if you want wisdom, just ask for it, and he will give it to you. So you don't have to worry about not being able to always know everything. He will bring you the resources. If you genuinely seek him, 
he will show up for you. He always does. He is faithful. And then the next annoying thing she talks about is uncompromising boldness to preach the gospel. Now this one's very important, okay? Uncompromising boldness to preach the gospel. This boldness will give us courage to speak the truth of God's word wherever we are and to those who need to hear the good news. The Bible says that we have a debt to everyone to preach the gospel to them. Romans 1, 14 and 15. The gospel is what fills the empty spaces in people's lives. When we speak the truth of the gospel, we crush the windpipe of the devil who is trying to speak lies to them. The enemy tells them that they're nothing, that they're nobody. When we tell people that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, we shut down the mouth of the enemy. When we preach the gospel to our children, who are confused about who they are. We are putting our foot on the enemy's neck and crushing it, okay? And that is something you will need, is that boldness to be able to preach the gospel, the boldness to be able to speak the truth about God's word. Because unfortunately, many of us are stifled in this area, and I was too. I never understood how people could just go and do that when they would tell us in Sunday school, like, just tell people about God. I'm like, what do you want me to say? I didn't understand how to even do that, nor did I have the courage or the boldness. And it wasn't for me until I was born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and desperately wanted to do God's will. And because of that, you know, he gave me his spirit, which empowers me to be able to speak boldly about God and not be afraid because a lot of it can also come with persecution or people, you know, just not agreeing with you, wanting to, and it's not even you they're not agreeing with, it's really against God. And he'll tell you that, like, don't worry about it. If you are telling women that they need to submit to their husbands and you're telling them that their husband is the Lord of the home and your covering is under him, you shouldn't be arguing with him. You shouldn't be disrespecting him. And they hate you because of it. They don't hate you. They hate me. I'm the one that said it. You're the one that's telling them that I'm the one that said it. Right? So when you're preaching the gospel and people don't like what you're saying, they don't like what you're saying. But yes, it's going to feel like they don't like you because they're going to try to attack you and say like, oh, you're, you're, you know, this doormat or this whatever it is that they want to say because that's the devil that's the devil using them to push his agenda so that you're never happy right you're just in confusion all the time not knowing to do this or do that and um you're not people are not being set free but you don't have to worry about that as long as you're bold enough to say what god asks you to say he will help you to say it he will help you to do it He'll bring all the things that you were studying into remembrance. There's so many things that I'm surprised sometimes when I'm talking that I say. There's so many times where I'll watch these lives again and I don't remember saying that. Or I didn't plan on saying that. And it's because the Holy Spirit is working as I'm speaking. And so things that maybe I've read just kind of come up in my mind. I didn't remember that I read that. But the Holy Spirit will bring things into remembrance. He will be there to help you. All the things that you're afraid of will not be an issue in the moment and you won't have to be afraid of that so you do need to be able to boldly preach it so some people will think like well what is the gospel i used to hear that all the time preach the gospel when i when i used to hear that word i would think of gospel music 
<laughs> preach the gospel. And I'm like, what is that? And when they say the gospel, I've heard people use different ways to describe what the gospel is. But the gospel means good news, the good news that Jesus Christ brought when he came. And some people will say the good news is the fact that he died for you for your sins so that you will not have to live in hell and you will have eternal life. Um, some people say the gospel is just the truth about different things in terms of God's word. So if you say, you know, you're worthless and you are a horrible person, you don't deserve to even be alive because of what you've done, then the gospel is no, you are worthy, you are forgiven, you are loved, and you have a purpose. So you're kind of combating those lies the devil tries to put in people's minds with the truth, with God's truth. And personally, when I think of the gospel just in terms of how Jesus lived when he was here, was preaching about the kingdom of God. That to me is the good news. The kingdom of heaven is here. That was the first thing that he said when he started his ministry on earth is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. And that to me just means that you can live with heaven's influence, lifestyle, and culture every single day. Once you are born again and you are a kingdom ambassador, you are a kingdom citizen, you can then be protected. You can have miracles happen with you every single day. You no longer live in this world. You are living under heaven's influence and culture, even though you live here. I cannot explain it because it's supernatural. But all of a sudden, it's like God just picks you up and puts a different badge on you where you have a different identity, you have a different passport, you're just visiting, you're here, but all of your resources, your money, your protection, your blessings, all of your stuff is funded by God. And it is a very different life than a regular person who does not know Christ. And that to me is the good news because I feel like everything else falls under that. When you are a kingdom citizen, then you live under the kingdom rules. You function by kingdom keys. And all of those things are embedded in the gospel or in the Bible. So that's what I think of the gospel is that the, the good news is the kingdom of heaven has arrived. The kingdom of heaven is here. Now, I know that some of you are afraid of speaking the gospel to other people. Some of you are afraid of even praying over your dinner in public. Okay, so... Thinking about speaking to someone about God is like way beyond you. Even if it's private, you know, you might just get so nervous to tell people about God. It's not unusual. It's very normal. And it's one of those things that until you start doing it, you're always going to be afraid. And you'll realize what I've realized is that once I just stop caring about myself, because that's all I'm doing in the moment is caring about myself and how I look and how I feel, and instead not caring about that person who's hurting and who needs to hear this. When I say it, more than likely, they always feel a sense of peace because God is backing you up. God is the one backing you up with whatever you're saying. And I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but when I was reading yesterday, the Holy Spirit just dropped something in my heart. I was reading Genesis and when God was creating the earth and how he was speaking, you know, let there be light, and he was creating things by the spoken word, right? 
God was creating it and how people try to use that with law of attraction and say like, well, God, God created things when he spoke it so I can create my life when I speak things into existence. And what came to me was a fact that it's like, okay, God was speaking the words, but there was a power that made it happen. So he spoke and the power did. And that power is the Holy Spirit. So when you're doing this law of attraction stuff, manifestation stuff, and all the stuff that you're, you shouldn't be doing, you have to remember, okay, fine, you're using your power, your God power to speak things. But because you are not in Christ when you're speaking it, there is a power that's going to put those words into existence. And it's not God's power. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy. It's the devil. It's demonic. But there is a power that's going to push through whatever it is that you're trying to say. And so the same thing comes with when you're preaching or, or you know, just speaking the gospel in people's lives. You may think that whatever you're saying is basic. You may just be trying to comfort your coworker who's you know, just always late, about to get fired. Her baby is always sick and she has to stay home. And you're giving her words of encouragement and you think they're just basic. But there's a power behind your words, and that's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to push that that word and make it real in that person's life and truly give them that aha moment, that light bulb moment. You can't give anyone that light bulb moment on your own. You can speak the fanciest way and, you know, try to sound perfect, but it may mean absolutely nothing to the person who's hearing it. The power behind those words is the Holy Spirit. And when you're living outside of God and you're still doing those things, you're still trying to operate like God, which is what which is what Satan did. He wanted to be like God. So when you're practicing those things like law of attraction and manifestation, all that stuff, and you are using those tactics, but you're not in Christ because God is not there. He's not in, he's not interested. So he's not there. Even if you think he's there, he's not there. So don't even say God is there because he's not there. But if you're saying those things, there is a spirit that is there. Okay. And that spirit is not for you and will eventually get back everything that um, you think you're getting and it's going to hurt you. So it's important for you to know that there is power behind your words. Your words do mean something. But if you're not connected with Christ, you're not going to want to be using your, your tongue to say things into existence. You do want to be protected and you want to be in the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is the one that takes your words and turns them into creation, just like he did when he created the world. So I just wanted to mention that because the Lord put that on my heart yesterday. So the third thing that she talks about is an outbreak of the miraculous healings, deliverance, provision, and salvation. That is an anointing that she believes we need when we want to be an influence. And she says, the Lord wants to reach people of all nations and bring them to salvation. He is using women who will operate in resurrection power in places where they have been oppressed. The power of the Holy Spirit comes to encourage belief in the one true God and validate the message of the messenger. So that's pretty much what I was just saying. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit does. It comes to encourage the belief of the one true God and to validate the message of the messenger. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, 6 says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know, 
what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and in the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. There are many who may never agree with women being preachers, but they won't be able to deny the hand of the Lord resting upon the lives of women. God's hand will empower us to accomplish great healings and deliverance on his behalf. So when you're born again, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And like I said, that's what pushes that message out. Again, validates the message of the messenger. That's what allows people to be able to believe what you said. And it's a supernatural belief. It's not coming from you saying the perfect thing. It's coming from the Holy Spirit imparting that on their heart. Okay, And that's what separates you from the non-believer, is that you have God's Spirit inside of you, which to me is the best thing in the entire world, is to have God literally inside of you, His Spirit inside of you. God gives you his spirit and power, you know, not so that you can brag or make money off of it, you know, in terms of, you know, just supernatural things. Some people have supernatural gifts that they get. They might be able to have crusades where they're healing people on the spot just by touching them. You know, when we talk about like Benny Hinn and the late Catherine Coleman and, and other people who had these crusades where... People would come from all over the country just to watch people get healed or just to see someone go from being deaf to being able to hear, or blind to being able to see. And we're so enamored by it and we're just like thrilled to be able to witness these miracles, not realizing that if you really believe everything in the Bible and you really lean on God's promises and you desire all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you ask for them, you can do what they can do too. It is not special. The Holy Spirit will give whatever he wants to whoever he wants. That is true. But if you seek that relationship with God and you desire it and you ask and you pray and you are using it for his glory, not to be popular, not to you know use it to have a, a side business where you're telling people their fortunes or prophesying, you know, um, for money, when you're not abusing the gifts and you're using it for his glory, God will bless that and he will give you his spirit to be able to perform the same miracles that they're doing at a crusade. You can perform that miracle on your custodian at work and heal your custodian right at work. You have to have that faith that you have the same power that this person at your church has to be able to do these things. These are the signs and wonders that follow you. This is how you know you're in the kingdom of God. So you should be able to carry these signs and wonders with you where, you know, things in your life are evident that God is with you. This is what's going to help other people to believe. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a virtual counseling service where you can schedule phone or video sessions. It is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It is a worldwide service and can help you in areas such as depression, anxiety, anger, trauma, and other concerns. Everything that you share is confidential, professional, and affordable. 
You can check out their testimonials on their website daily. And note, this is not a crisis hotline. I want you to live a life where you're full of happiness and hope today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off of your first month by visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com slash feminine. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash feminine. So we should be desiring all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's different. I'm talking about the gifts. And it's not that you need to be, you know, just only desiring gifts, but you you should. Because that is part of your job, is to be able to utilize your gifts to be able to help God's people. Okay, he's working through you. So it is important for you to want them. And to believe that God will give it to you and then actually start using it. Okay. Then she talks about your wonderful place. And she says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. And that's from the Bible. That's Psalm 139. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. I know some people kind of heard this so many times and it just kind of goes over your head. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Not really understand what that means. Like being fearfully made. When you're doing something with fear, when you are trying so hard to do something so perfect that you don't want to mess it up. You don't want to get anything wrong. You want to take your time. You're doing it because you want perfection. That is to do something fearfully. You know, so you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And she says, woman of God, you are marvelous and wonderful. There is a place in the earth where you can be that, all of that, and more. I call this your wonderful place. This is a place that the four anointings I listed above will operate accurately and effectively in the spirit. We've already talked about a territory and how each queen has an assigned territory. Consider your wonderful place as your territory. This is a place where you are loved and you feel impassioned to serve here. Your wonderful place is where you are wanted and needed and appreciated. There are some places and people who are totally irrelevant to your call and purpose. They are a waste of time and energy. They are a distraction from your core assignment. And this is so important to remember, ladies, especially for those of you who are really working on your relationship with Christ. The enemy is not going to get you anymore with the old stuff. All the stuff you used to do, all the lying, the gossiping, having sex with all these guys, stealing, you know, hustling people and all of that stuff you used to do. That's not going to work anymore because you've already recommitted. The devil is going to be a lot more strategic and try and waste your time by bringing you opportunities and people that are seemingly good, but it's just not right for your assignment. It's not what you're supposed to do. And that's how you can, he can get you off course. You're saying yes to all these different things that have nothing to do with what God wants you to do. So when you find out what your assignment is or this wonderful place she's talking about, you need to be able to really narrow it down. If God says you're supposed to be helping children with cancer and then someone reaches out to you for hungry children in Ethiopia, you might think, okay, I need to go to Ethiopia because, you know, they're still a child. 
And that could be a complete waste of time. You know, you could go there and have, there could be all kinds of issues. And it was a distraction to stop you from being able to fulfill what you're really supposed to be doing, even though it's good, but it's not for you. Maybe that's someone else's assignment. That's why you need to pray and ask God before you take on anything, because the enemy will use good things to distract you and waste your time. So she says, but your wonderful place will feel a strong sense of purpose, joy, and acceptance. Sure, there is opposition. The devil always tries to, hint to hinder the work of the kingdom. But there is a sense of destiny and fruitfulness that I experience there more than in other places. So where is your wonderful place? Where do you believe that God wants you to be? In what arena? With what population? What do you think God wants you to do? Everyone is trying to fit into one mold, but we will not. I am not wonderful where you are wonderful. We must each find that place God designed us to be. Woman of God, I challenge you to pursue God and ask him to show you the place where you are wonderful. Declare that this is a set time for you to shine brightly and to be God's Esther in your family at your workplace, in your city, and in your nation. You are a queen in the king's court who will rule with grace, wisdom, discernment, and boldness. I declare that your finest hour is upon you. Don't let the devil deceive you. You are destined to carry out the mandates of a heavenly kingdom, a kingdom without end. You are designed to bless the name of the Lord and make his name known. You were designed to walk in prosperity. You were designed to write decrees that reverse the plots of the enemy. You were designed to break the back of poverty, sickness, and disease. You were designed for influence. And that is just the truth, my dear. Every single one of you were designed for influence. And you need to tap into that part of you now figure out what it is, and get going. It's important for you to know, just in wrapping all of this up, that you must take care of yourself as a woman in all ways, in the way that you look, taking care of your health, you know, working out, eating clean, making sure you're taking care of your mind, not watching things that you don't need to be watching, not going on these gossip sites and being involved in other people's business that has nothing to do with you and just allowing people to pour into you when it has absolutely nothing to do with your purpose because that is how you end up with ideas and things in your mind that you can't even figure out why you know this, where you got this from, and now you have to get it out. And that comes from talking to people who are just not aligned. It's important that you also remember that your femininity is important. You need to make sure that as a woman, you care about the fact that God made you a woman. God made you a woman. And that is important. You need to stay away from society trying to confuse you, trying to make you hate yourself or devalue your womanhood. And love being a woman and not be afraid to be a girly girl. Not be afraid to be loved on and pampered and helped. Not be afraid of all the things that come with being soft and compassionate and caring about the way you look, caring about your husband, 
being a good wife and actually wanting to be a good wife and caring about that and looking for ways to be a better wife and a better mother, not thinking that, oh, well, if I'm doing this, I'm putting myself in this position for him to take advantage of me. He is your husband, okay? He is not some random guy you're dating. You should care about that. And you should care about what God wants for you and how God designed you and the itinerary he has for you. If you go about on your own way, then you are saying, God, I don't trust you. Whatever you plan for me, I don't believe that that was the right thing. So I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to act how I want to act. I'm going to look how I want to look. And I hope you help me when I need you. And we can't do that anymore. He created you perfectly and beautifully and wonderfully. And all of us really just have to take off all the things that society has put on us, men that we've dated have put on us, all the things that our fathers and our mothers and teachers and friends have put on us and take it all off and get back to the woman that God created you to be and actually work towards being her. First, you got to be able to see her. And then you have to start working towards being her. And God will get you there. He is committed to his plans. He is faithful. Whatever he planned for you, he put everything you needed inside of you. You don't even have to go outside of yourself to find it. He built whatever it was inside of you already. But some of us need to really just believe that it's there. And that when the moment comes, he's going to let you take off. And he'll be right there because he is committed to his plans. And his plans always work. <laughs> he is never going to create a faulty product. You were made with perfection, with fear, and wonderfully. You are not a faulty product. You are not a faulty item. So you will work the way he wanted you to work, but you have to trust it. And you have to get back to being the woman that he created you to be, which is a feminine, soft, kind, wonderful, intelligent, powerful gracious woman that is who he created you to be not whoever it is that the world is trying to tell you you have to be i'm going to pray a prayer that activates a spirit of influence allow yourself to get in god's presence allow the holy spirit to just come into the room close your eyes and allow god to touch your heart Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for every single woman who is here. We thank you for allowing us to be able to meet for all of these weeks to just lean into all of your promises. We thank you for every single person whose life has been touched by this book. And we just ask that all the things that they've learned be bestowed onto their lives and that your promises come back full circle. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you allow us to pray this prayer that activates the spirit of influence in our lives. Father, I thank you that you are awakening influence inside of me. Awaken me to my sphere of influence. Remove the scales from my eyes that I may see those I've designed to touch, Lord. You've given me unique gifts and talents to affect those around me. Let the gifts that you've given me make room for me in the earth. Let me have creativity and free expression of my gifts. Let me connect with those who will train and equip me. I will start where I am while I'm pressing into all that you have for me. I will not draw back in fear. I will impart that which I have to those assigned to my life. Lord, send me to those who will think I am wonderful. 
Send me to those who will have an ear to hear my voice. I decree that I am a change agent. I decree that I have wisdom, insight, and influence with the next generation. I decree that I am aligned for my assignment. I decree that I am fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. I will find a place where my influence will operate. I will find my wonderful place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. And you will find that place, my dear. All of you will find that place. The Lord is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And he loves you. And he will come into your heart and activate all of these anointings in your life. And you will begin to see yourself in a completely different way. And I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited because so much is going to happen now. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you beautiful ladies that have been with me. I can boldly and honestly say that all the things in this book are 100% true because I lived it. I experienced it, you know, and it's only been a year for me, less than a year, maybe eight months since I was born again and I found God and I dived right into my purpose and I allowed God to use me. I allowed him to. And with that obedience, so many women through the Holy Spirit have been saved, have been healed, have been able to see things in themselves I've never seen before. All these miracles that I've been able to witness are just astounding to me. And I got to see that, you know, God's promises are all 100% true. When you lean in on them and you trust God, he will always come through for you. There is no lie. He cannot lie. And he will use it to help other people. So I'm just so happy that I've been used and I've been able to help all of you ladies because that's all I ever really wanted to do is to be able to help and what better way than with God's power. So thank you all for taking the time to be here with me because without that, then I really couldn't help you. But I love you all so much. I really do. I love you all so, so much. I'm going to actually just go through and take any comments or questions. Watching your videos, my feminine journey has led me to remove men from my life at this time and focus on healing and on myself. That's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that, Ray. I need to get me together first. That's good. Sometimes you just have to just do like a clear out and you have to just stop until you can fully understand, you know, why you're dating these kinds of men or why you're allowing these things to happen, depending on what's going on in your dating life. Sometimes you just have to cut the cord and just start over. And the people who thought they could access you can no longer access you, you know, because you're now a different person. This message is on point, just what I needed. I wasn't going to click, but I believe it was the Holy Spirit that led me to do so. God is still prompting me to be more soft and tap into my feminine side. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, so many women have told me that. It is amazing. When I first started hearing it, I thought it was the most interesting thing that they would say. I have no idea why I clicked on this video, but I did. And I've gotten so many stories about like how people have found my videos and it's been it's just been so awesome to see how God moves 
and to see how God can prompt someone's heart to even click on a video or to watch an entire video. God is so great. How can we vet more godly men in our lives? Did you mean vet or did you mean get? I just want to make sure I got the question right. How can you get more godly men or how can you vet more godly men? Uh, I have multiple areas of gifting, business and nutrition, and I'm in a job that doesn't fit the mold. Do you have any advice to help me? My first piece of advice, whenever you're thinking about anything like this, is to seek God. God is who knows you. God is who's positioned you wherever you are. And maybe you need to be there for a reason. Maybe there's a skill he needs you to develop. It could just be getting to work on time. Okay, maybe, you know, because you can't get to work on time, he can't trust you with a certain position he has for you because you're not showing your faithfulness. Now, I don't know, but God will be able to tell you when you fast and pray about it. I promise you that. So one person that is absolutely incredible, in my opinion, in terms of helping you find your purpose is Dr. Miles Monroe. He has so many videos here on YouTube that will help you understand your gifts and your purpose. And it was through him that I was able to fully, the Holy Spirit came to me through watching his videos. And I will link some of his content, but I truly, truly, truly believe that he was just so gifted in the area of helping people to understand their purpose. He had like a saying where he said, you need to die empty. And I literally think of like God putting all these things inside of you and you gotta like shake it out and you need to, everything should be shaken out of you when you die you should have nothing left to give because you've done everything he's asked you to do and he talks a lot about going to the graveyard and and believing the graveyard is the richest place in the world because buried in the graveyard are all the dreams that never got fulfilled all the books that were never written the songs that were never written the cures that were never found People literally die with everything still in them. Like they die full, full of everything God put into them. They do not die empty because they never even bothered to empty themselves out. <laughs> I'm so right about being on time. LOL. I know that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if, if that was your problem, then the Lord then spoke to you, girl. That's it. Certain things are just not even that deep sometimes. God's just trying to chisel us to be a certain kind of person first before he gives us certain things because we won't be able to handle it. We just won't. I recently suffered a loss and I see more clearly what God wants for my life now. In my time of pain, God brought me clarity. Well, that's amazing. Thank God for that. I'm so grateful. He will always give you beauty for ashes. My life has upgraded immensely since I've learned to embrace my femininity. I'm learning to forgive myself and let go of grudges. Good. I'm recognizing and avoiding attacks of the devil more clearly now. Oh, that is so good. Honestly, when you get to the point where you can recognize what the devil does, it's so much easier, not to say that you're not going to always fall into those traps, sometimes you might, but when you start recognizing, you can be, ah, I see what you were trying to do right there. I'm not falling for that. When someone's purposely trying to push your buttons, you know it's the enemy and it's so much easier because you see how his tricks are all so old. Like he uses the same things over and over and over again and you get to be able to overcome that stuff, which is great.
I've started to change and address a lot of things since I've started watching your videos. I'm truly grateful for tips and encouragement. And the Lord bless and keep you as you encourage others. Thank you, Roxanne. Thank you. That's very sweet. I'm happy to hear that. When you read the Bible, how do you know you are interpreting it correctly after you pray? Do you also find commentaries? The Bible I have does have commentaries um, on the bottom. But you know what I've noticed? So I have this is my Bible. I'll link it. And it's very, very thick because it has commentaries underneath, which is helpful sometimes. But what I will tell you, as I started maturing in my relationship with Christ and with my relationship with the Holy Spirit, when we started getting close, I noticed that the commentaries are just commentaries. Like it's just someone like explaining something. There's like a revelationary truth. It's like a moment where God will open your eyes to something that the commentaries cannot tell you. You know, it's it's supernatural. He will download certain things about his word right into your heart. And that's why you'll hear certain people preach on something. And it's like they took something and it's like, how did you get that out of that? Like, that's amazing. The Holy Spirit told them. And a lot of times commentaries are literally just maybe explaining what something means, something historical. They may be putting scriptures together saying, OK, this influenced this scripture. So it is helpful. It is helpful, but you know by faith, the more you continue to build a relationship with God, the more you'll start to see that what you thought is true. I know for me, certain things when I would read, I would believe certain things and like God would just tell me, it's like, this is what I know. And one time, the very beginning of my journey, I told someone something and they kind of made me feel stupid about it. It was someone that, you know, had a high religious uh, position and made me feel kind of like stupid about it and then God told me it was true and it was true but they made me feel stupid because they did not believe that I could have gained I guess that kind of knowledge or experienced something like that so early in my journey or maybe you know some people think that certain only certain people have certain gifts and that kind of thing and they're very biased and so you really have to have faith that God doesn't love a pastor more than he loves you just because they're a pastor and won't give you the same or more than he would even give someone who has a church just because they have a church. Like you have to believe that if he puts something in your spirit and he tells you this is the truth, then that is the truth and um, have faith and he'll start to show you. The Holy Spirit came to me December 13th, 2020, and I am not the same woman. When he left, he left me with a power prophetess. I am so thankful I am getting to know myself. Amen, that's amazing. That is so amazing. I love that. Hi, Dr. Da, found your videos as I went to Howard University. Any advice on taking a break from dating? When do you know when you're ready to begin dating again. I wish I had a big sister like you. Oh, that's so sweet. When do you know that you're ready to start dating again? When you want to. When you want to. I don't think you should take super long breaks from dating because the reality is you're wasting time. You can obviously heal from certain things that you need to heal from, but sometimes we take way too long in one spot because we're waiting for some like big revelation or we're waiting for some like moment of healing. And it's, it's a process. It's a process. And sometimes 
you might think you're healed from something and that spirit is still there. Everything, remember, we're in a spiritual world. That spirit is still lingering around. And so you might think you're healed and then you meet some guy and he does something that your ex-boyfriend did. Next thing you know, you're pissed, right? And you're having all these issues because it reminded you of something. And then it's like, oh, I thought I was good and, and I guess I wasn't. And so I should stop again. But you really shouldn't because that's how you end up missing on opportunities. And all of these things are a lifelong process. So when you want to, again, if you're totally turned off by dating, then maybe you shouldn't be dating at this time. You should be praying for God to release you and fasting. All that stuff is very spiritual. Fasting and take all that stuff off of you. Okay. I wish that was up to me. I never approached and I'm fit. Well, maybe it could be where you live. It could be what you're wearing. It could be your energy that you give off, like your the spirit that you give off. Um, do you smile? Do you do you take care of yourself? Being fit is great, but the outer appearance in terms of the colors you're wearing, your hairstyles, the way that you walk, the way that you sit, the way that you smile, all of those things are going to play into how you look. And, of course, where you're going, because depending on where you're going, sometimes men are not going to just approach you. It takes a lot for a man to approach you, by the way. Like, just because they're men doesn't mean that they have no feelings. <laughs> they still don't want to just, like, get embarrassed. And so it does take a lot for them to decide, okay, I'm going to go approach this woman. So if you're not looking very inviting, Chances are they're probably not going to approach you unless you do something to say, hey, it's okay to come talk to me. And that um, is something you may need to work on. I'm 16 and have had the privilege of watching you, having you as a role model and the big sister I've always wanted. Oh, you're making me cry. Thank you. That's so sweet. I wish I would have had an older person to watch when I was 16. My life would have been totally different. But hey, that's how God works. <laughs> That's, I'm so happy. That's literally what I want is for people who don't have that to be able to have it because I always wanted it and I really I really needed it and I didn't have it. Thank you for helping us. Remembering how feminine I was when I was a little girl. I lost my identity with all the criticism in my family. Finally, I found and recovered my true value and purpose. I'm so happy to hear that, Maru. Can you please discuss how to approach a man as a woman? I don't believe in approaching men. If you're in a group setting, it's a little different. If you're in a group setting, you could um, start a conversation up in a general way. But in terms of like you approaching a man, I, I don't, I don't believe you should be doing that. That is very masculine behavior. Um, I know some men will say that they like that, but what kind of men are they? You don't need to do that. They should come to you. What do I think of the hypergamy movement in dating? Well. I truly believe that as a woman, when you value yourself, you want the best of everything. Like that's, that's how I live my life. That's how I've always lived my life. It's just what I want. I just want the best personality, the best friends, the best education, the best skincare products, the best man. I want the best. And if I don't feel like I have the best, then I don't want them anymore. And I, I know that there's a standard and I, and I want at least most of what should be considered the best. And I feel like if people had those criteria for themselves, then yeah, it could look like 
hypergamy. I really do believe that when you start paying more attention to yourself and you start working on yourself, you're working on your attitude, you're working on your body, you're working on smiling, maybe you got your teeth fixed, you got braces, and maybe you're working out, you're putting in hours in the gym, you're not eating what you want to eat because you want to look a certain way, you're dressing really nice, and you're changing so much about yourself, that takes serious, serious work and dedication. And when you are that kind of a woman who actually cares about the way you present and the way that you act, you're going to start saying no to anything that doesn't resemble who you are, that doesn't match you. If you can't see yourself walking down the street with this man, you're not going to be interested. So as a result, you're going to be more attracted to the man who, who matches what you're also bringing to the table. And a lot of it is just kind of what you think you deserve. And naturally, those men are going to be more attracted to you. You're going to start seeing a difference in the men that approach you and the men that are interested in you. And then you're going to say, okay, I have all these men. I want that one. I want the one that can give me, the one that's not going to say, just come over and let's chill, come cook for me, let's watch TV. If another one is saying, I'm going to take you out to this restaurant, naturally, you're going to say, I'm going to go with the one that's going to take me to the restaurant because... I realize I'm being offered two very different things and I want this one. And I think from there you just start seeing what the options are. And then you start, you know, choosing better. And just like if you were working a, you know, minimum wage job and you wanted to travel, you would look at hotels and you would say, this is what my money can afford. And, but then you might be searching for hotels and see like the Ritz Carlton and be like, wow. I really want to stay at the Ritz one day. Like I know right now I can only afford the Motel 6, but I want the Ritz. And so you work hard and you save your money and you get a better job and you get more educated. And now you're making so much more money. Why would you still be staying at the Motel 6? Now you're like, I remember the Ritz. This is what I wanted. This is where I should be. And this is what I'm going to get. And I think that's what hypergamy is like. Um, I don't think it's a... I'm trying to... And I'm sure there are people who are you know, just trying to use men for money. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who just value themselves. And I would want my daughter, my nieces, all of you to be with the best men possible. But it's not just about their money. It's about everything. So that is what I think about hypergamy. I'm not one of those people who thinks about it. I really, I don't ever think about that. I just believe that certain people have certain expectations for their lives and they only tolerate certain things. But I think a lot of black women are not now starting to realize that they don't have to accept what they're offered just because they're offered it. I think that's where the light bulbs are starting to kind of go off. And that a lot of black women are starting to put more effort into themselves and are not wanting to waste a $200 face of makeup and hair and nails to sit in someone's couch and have them touch them. They're not interested. And so I think that's the shift we're starting to see. But um, I know some people are, you know, gold digging and that kind of thing. But those people, unfortunately, are going to suffer consequences for that. And hopefully they realize that that doesn't leave you anywhere either. How did I grow my self-love? I love that you believe in God. Finally, someone I can trust. <laughs> how did I grow my love for myself was I got to know God and how God 
feels about me, what God said I can have. And that allowed me to have a lot of confidence in, and love for me because I know, I know what he did. I know why he did it. And I know that he's faithful. So really, when I got to really love God and understand God and get to know God, it made me love myself a lot more. <laughs> she said, I'm ready to date. But in this pandemic, how can you find someone? You can find someone at the gas station. Look, if you are a feminine woman and you live, granted, in a place where there are people available, because some places are just so desolate, I think it's just hard to meet people. But if you live somewhere where there's there's action, if you go out and you have a skirt on, you have pretty feminine colors, you know, you look nice, and you have your mask on, I was shocked to see that there was no difference in terms of attention that I get with a mask on and without a mask on. It's like... I think men men can tell just by the way you walk, by what you're wearing, you know, by how you by how you move your body, by the choice of clothing you choose to wear, that you are a woman of substance and they're going to come up to you and talk to you at the grocery store, at the gas station, the bank, anywhere. Um they can they can still tell that you're beautiful because it's not really just about your face it's, it's about the whole package they can tell from the way you carry yourself that you are you know you got something going on is there a step-by-step -step guide on embarking on your feminine journey i love you too i do have a video called how to start your feminine journey i can link it um but it really is an entire process because there's a feminine like the outer appearance of being feminine and then there's the feminine like personality in terms of like how you behave, how you move, how you speak, how you interact with people. And it is not, um, it's not just about how you look. So you can be feminine in any weather. Femininity is a lifestyle. It's just who you are. It's not about what you're wearing. It's just, it's just you. It's just you bringing womanly vibes into a situation being feminine in the winter time all you're doing i mean you can just wear feminine colors you can wear dresses with stockings underneath you can wear boots that are high heels you can wear yeah faux fur coats uh, blazers that have feminine colors or scarves around your neck hair ties hats you can do so much okay okay my love so i have to go i hope that you all had a wonderful time with me this month i had a great time with you and i love you all so much i pray for each and every one of you ladies and i really want all of you to be able to experience a breakthrough to be able to know your purpose walk in your purpose know god know how much the lord loves you loves you he loves you so so much if you even knew how much he loved you he wants to just shower his love on you every single day if you let him and i hope that this helps you just to find who you are as a woman and of course lead into your femininity. Make sure to pick up the book, The Esther Anointing, so you can read it on your own or just gift it to a friend one day. And you can also reach out to the author. She's on Instagram and you can just let her know that her book meant something to you. I think she would love to hear that.
Well, ladies, that's it for the book, The Esther Anointing. I had such a wonderful time going through this book with you and talking about the wonderful life of Queen Esther, a original Cinderella type story with a woman who was touched by God and had God all embedded in her life without him being mentioned once in the actual book in the Bible. And it just reminds and shows us that God is in our lives, even when we don't think he is he is orchestrating and he is taking care of every single thing that concerns us every single day i want you to know and to remember that you were designed for influence that you were fearfully and wonderfully made you were crafted by god to be marvelous in this world each and every one of you So now is the time to put that crown on and walk with boldness, with courage, and with Christ to be able to fulfill the destiny that he has preordained for you. I love you all so much and I'm so grateful for all of your messages and your DMs and your comments, especially about how much this series has changed your life. I'm so grateful to the author, Michelle McLean Walters, for writing this book to help all of us. And I hope that you support her by purchasing a copy of the book, which will be linked in the information box on this podcast. Be sure to follow me on Instagram on my page, A Feminine Impression for more femininity content and on my personal page on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Duff. Also, make sure to follow me on my YouTube channel so that you can get more videos and more content on femininity with visual examples. I wish each and every one of you ladies a beautiful day and remember that in all things you do, make a feminine impression. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Duff. Bye-bye.